Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That phrase is loaded with implications. Let us count some of the ways. Number one, human beings, no matter what race they are, no matter who their parents are, no matter their religious upbringing, are born in sin and under the wrath of God. They are not born good and righteous and then learn to do bad things and make bad choices due to bad influences and bad examples. No, they are bad by nature. By nature, children of wrath. Roaches give birth to little roaches. And those little roaches have a nature of a roach. And they do roach things. Rats give birth to little rats. And they do rat things. Sinners give birth to little sinners. And they do sinner things. Little children have the same nature as adults. They're just smaller. David says we were brought forth in iniquity. Psalm 51.5 Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Psalm 22.15 Excuse me, uh, Proverbs 22.15 Israel was called a rebel from birth. Isaiah 48.8 How did this Romans 3 condition, there is none righteous, not even one, come to be the case if all men were born innocent and good? How did it come to pass that every single human being on the planet has gone astray from the good and innocent position from which they supposedly started? Come on. Secondly, all children need to be born again if they are going to go to heaven. Being born is not enough. They are born in sin. Children of wrath. That means you're under the wrath of God. Unless and until they are born again, they are lost. Therefore, do not act as though your children are good and fine and on their way to heaven simply because they're yours or because you have them in church every Sunday or because you have family worship or because you catechized them, or because you homeschooled, or because you initiated them in a ritual you call baptism, even though you can't find infant baptism in the Bible, or because you've led them through some sinner's prayer, which you can't find in the Bible either. Children are children of wrath until they are born again. There is no age of accountability there is not a single text of Scripture to support it. It's a myth. Number three, there is only one way in which it is appropriate to talk about mankind being the children of God, and that is by virtue of being created by Him. So if that's the context, so far so good. Acts 17.29 is proof. But spiritually speaking... 
All children are children of wrath, children of the devil, unless and until they are born again and adopted then into God's family. Fourthly, Paul included himself in this description. Paul was a child of wrath by nature, even as the rest. Think about that. Paul was born a Jew. He was part of God's covenant people. He was circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. That is very serious about external conformity to the law. No one would have accused him of being a covenant breaker. As to the righteousness which was found in the law, he says that he was blameless. That is, he kept the external requirements very stringently. But Paul here tells us that in spite of all those credentials, he was a child of wrath even as the rest. He does not call himself a covenant child. That term is never used in scripture. He calls himself a child of wrath. Being circumcised on day eight did not change his status. Being born again changed his status. He did not say or imply that he was somehow safe in the covenant. He was a child of wrath. That's not safe. I used to care nothing about unity. I care about it now. I don't pick fights unless I feel I have to. And I don't try to do it as a picking of a fight. But I don't try to bring up things that are bring to the fore my differences with other people unless I feel I have to. And I feel I have to here. I'm on this text. The, the implications are profound. To omit it here to me is like an elephant standing in the living room that I simply will not acknowledge. So I have several Presbyterian friends whom I love. I went to a Presbyterian seminary and I attended a Presbyterian church for a time while there. Now, not all Presbyterians are the same. This happened to be Presbyterian Church of America primarily. I witnessed a number of infant baptisms and I heard the things that the minister said about the baby after he or she was baptized, quote unquote. I heard him call the child a child of the covenant, a child of God, an heir of God's promises and other glorious feel-good descriptions. And there were many smiles on the faces of people and tears in the congregation. It was an emotionally charged atmosphere. I never once heard the minister say of the child or remotely imply that the child was a child of wrath even as the rest. In fact, I never heard any kind of talk like that at all. Instead, there was presumptive regeneration. Presumed saved until proven otherwise. And folks, I can hardly think of a better way to deceive parents about the spiritual status of their child, though the sinner's prayer might come close. I ask you, if you are a child of wrath, are you safe in the covenant? Is the wrath of God a safe space for you? Should children of wrath be baptized? Should they be given communion 
which they are now in a great number of Presbyterian churches? Should children of wrath be considered members of churches? Remember that in the Presbyterian view of things, circumcision is the Old Testament counterpart to New Testament baptism. They baptize babies because the Jews circumcise baby boys. And I don't believe that we are to look to circumcision to help us determine the practice of infant baptism, or baptism, excuse me. But even if that was the case, don't you think that you ought to listen to the Apostle Paul give the definitive verdict on the status of children, whether circumcised or not, whether covenant children or not? Is he not a better interpreter of covenant theology than any Reformed theologian you can think of? Paul's verdict is that he and the Jews and you and me were all dead in sin, all children of wrath, even as the rest. There was no difference in status, no difference in safety between the covenant children, quote-unquote, of Israel and the godless Gentiles. No difference. It is very odd to me, contradictory and self-refuting, to subscribe to Reformed theology, to proclaim one's belief in predestination and election, to proclaim the imputation of Adam's sin to all human beings, meaning all infants, to proclaim that everyone needs a Savior in Jesus, and to proclaim that you cannot lose your salvation once you've been saved, and then to turn around and say that all infants who die automatically go to heaven because they're innocent. They can't both be true. You can't be born in sin and actually have the Adam sin imputed to you and be innocent. So that leaves you with one other option to say that all infants have the imputed righteousness of Jesus. And though they are not innocent of themselves, they somehow receive the imputed righteousness of Christ, though presumably not by faith, but on the basis of what scripture exactly would one establish that? And what shall we say then that has happened to these vast millions, billions of saved infants who came into this world saved and then who don't die in infancy and they continue to live and they grow up to become wretched toddlers, wretched teenagers, and wretched adults who walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, in the lusts of the flesh, indulging them. What happened? If they started out saved, what happened? Did they all lose their salvation? Or are we going to succumb to antinomianism after all? Everybody's saved. Nobody lives like it. Who cares? If they start out saved, did they lose their salvation? I thought that couldn't happen because of the perseverance of the saints. What do we make of people like Paul? Are we to believe that he was born in sin, a child of wrath as he says he is, somehow received the righteousness of Christ into his account in infancy, then lost it, became a terrible persecutor of the church, hating Christ and his church, only to be born again, again, on the Damascus Road? 
Is that the case also for you and me and every other true Christian? We were saved at the beginning. We lost it somewhere after that. And then we got saved again? On the basis of what? This is nonsense, folks. We're letting our emotions dictate our theology. And when we do that, it's like a canker eating away at the foundation. It just keeps eating away other things and weakens your view all throughout on all kinds of things. If you allow this kind of sloppy and self-contradictory treatment of the scriptures in this area, you will allow it elsewhere as well. Is it any wonder that hardly anyone believes in original sin anymore? R.C. Sproul himself had a sermon or a paper that he wrote in the Pelagian captivity of the church which was harking back to Luther's The uh, Babylonian Captivity of the Church, a book that he wrote in his day. Pelagian Captivity. What does it mean to be a Pelagian? It means you don't believe in original sin. You believe that you're born innocent. Then you just grow up and learn to be bad because of bad examples around you. Where did all the bad examples come from? If everybody was born innocent and pure and righteous, how these bad people come to learn to be bad? It is impossible to sustain a firm belief in original sin when you're trying so hard to ensure that all infants go to heaven. This is not a popular position. Believe me, I know. This is not going to win me any friends, I'm sure. But I just... Ephesians 2, 3, it's right there. How can we escape this? All Christian parents want their children to be saved. I want mine to be saved. I understand that. I'm not speaking as a foreigner to parental experience. But we have to cease with this unbiblical nonsense based on emotions and wishful thinking. I refuse to lie to my children so I can feel better. I tell my children, and I hope gently, that they're lost and they're headed for hell until... It appears that they have sought the Lord and actually found Him, demonstrated by repentance from sin and faith in Christ. Some would probably feel that I'm guilty of child abuse by that. Look at the Scriptures. What is Paul saying here in Ephesians 2-3? Can you honestly read anything different out of that? Please don't lie to your children. You will give an account for their souls. Jesus said, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to that man or woman through whom they come. Call out to God on behalf of your children. Warn them. Teach them. Appeal to them. And then leave the salvation of their souls in the hands of God where it has always been anyway. Let's pray.